So instead of increasing your ad spend, you don't need to do that. Maybe you need to get a success manager that's going to call all your clients that bought $7, make them happy, send them handwritten cards through the post. And then when Jason called them, they're more likely to convert into $5,000. And nobody's talking about this on the internet. And I'm like, mind blown, why, why they don't do it? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. I'm so excited to bring a friend to the show today that is beyond a friend, a bit of a mentor, a voice of reason when it comes to seeing what's happening in the world of advertising. Because every time I'm working with clients and I see things are not working, I need to test assumptions. I hear advice that just doesn't seem to sit with my own ethos of selling with love. I usually reach out to a man with some very amazing Instagram reels that I always get exposed to on a regular basis that make me interested to hear more when it comes to ads, funnels, and sales. His name's Ivan Burev, and he is an expert when it comes to telling you how it is. He is an expert when it comes to actually educating you on how to use advertising properly to scale your business for long-term results. We're going to break some hmm, assumptions that a lot of people make when it comes to using advertising and what are the changes that have happened in the industry recently that will make you reconsider if you should use them, how you should use them, and how you can actually scale your business too. Ivan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here and bust some myths and stop people from following bad advice. Well, that's usually where you pick up your clients is somebody listens to someone who tells them to do something and it doesn't seem to work. And it seems like bad advice is much more frequent than good advice. And so I'd be curious to know, what's the usual situation when somebody reaches out to you looking to make some corrections to a mistake they've made? So as we know, we're being bombarded with all these kind of ads from all the self-proclaimed gurus, like that they have the secret strategy of how to give you 30x ROAS and how to give you 50x ROAS. And many times what these people are selling might work, but it all usually works on a very short period of time. And then they try to upsell you on a bigger package when now we have a different strategy when, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. But most of the people through the internet are educated to search for the Holy Grail and they, they approach advertising as the solution to their problems. And, but little did they know that advertising is used to actually amplify an already winning business model. The other way to use advertising is if your business model is still not winning on the market, you can use advertising to generate a lot of real-time live data in order to learn how to fix or how to make your business convert ordinary visitors into a long-term customers. Now, sadly, the internet is educating and selling people a different philosophy. It's like, if you decide to run ads with us, we're going to make you this much money. I still in my life haven't seen 
anything invented by anyone where I can go put $5,000 and they you know, give me $10,000 back in a month. That's usually a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid where everybody loses their money in the end. So these kind of schemes do not exist. So this is why I'm on the internet. That's why I make content because I learned advertising by running my own business. And I realized after trying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of strategies and gurus, and I always realized that the basics are what makes the money. Basics is what helps the business scaling. And I approach advertising only as attention. I spend 5% of my time on advertising and 95% of business development. And that's what people don't want to do. They're like, how can we stop doing business development, drink pina coladas in Jamaica, and you run the ads and we get rich. And it's not their fault because 95% of what's happening on the internet, people are selling them that dream. But sooner or later, they realize, well, this actually is not scalable. You can get lucky, but can you scale luck? Not so sure about that. That's a very long answer. But it's exactly what we wanted to hear. And not because it's the fun answer to hear, but it's the sobering truth that a lot of us have to swallow. And you speak about how ads ends up being an amplification of what exactly is going on. So even if somebody's having a business that's not successful, thinking that ads is what's going to solve the solution or solve the problem rather, what is it that they usually need to turn their attention to to really find what's going on? So... One of the biggest problems I faced working predominantly with public speakers, coaches, freelancers who are extremely busy is the lead generation process just doesn't exist. So they hired people who build the front end stuff. They had a beautiful website. Now they start making some content. And now the question is why nobody's buying. The number one reason nobody is buying is that there are a million people like yourself out there. So the biggest problem most of entrepreneurs have is that lead generation sucks. Or they don't want to do it. Or they don't know how to do it. And I witnessed on many occasions when the business owner was not willing to listen is how advertising actually amplified the problems. So if you're getting 10 leads a day and you're not making money, what's going to happen if I bring 1,000 leads? You're still not going to make money. It's not the volume that you need. You need to really dissect why are these leads not showing up for my calls? Why are these leads not buying my programs? And the answer is never in the ads. It's never in the ad. The answer is always in how their funnel has been set up. Is their offer good enough? Are they positioned properly on the market? Are they reaching out really to the right customer? And one of the other biggest problems I always face is, for example, when I start working with somebody, as I said, I do 5% ads. They always work. Their job is to bring attention to your page. Simple as that. Their work stops here. The next uh, hard worker here is your landing page. Like, Is your landing page actually capable of sending these people to the next page, which might be a checkout, which might be a lead magnet, which might be 
book a call in your Calendly link. What percentage of these people are getting there? Now, when you get to the third page, is the third page actually completing the purchases? Is it getting the opt-in details? Is it getting the bookings? And that's still the easy part. Then what happens is, okay, for example, they booked a strategic call with yourself, right? We both know 9% of those people don't show up, right? When they come cold from the internet, I'm not talking about if you get a recommendation from a friend or a client, that's just not the same world, right? What are you going to do in order to make sure more people will show up to your calls? What are you going to do to make sure that your lead generation system can actually monetize on the attention you're paying for? And what is very difficult for many people to understand is like Google and Facebook are not the same. Social media, you pay for attention. You've been charged per impressions. So their job is to give you the impression. Your job is to monetize on it. And most people don't like to accept the fact. And they end up saying ads don't work, right? But what they actually need to do is to, before they start running the ads, to make sure that their funnels, lead generation systems, whatever they're doing, is capable of converting cold traffic into raging fans. And that's not an easy task to do. It takes me around six months to achieve that with a business, if I'm being given the time. And I always tell people, like, I need six months. And I need the freedom to experiment with the copy, with the marketing angles. Many times people are not have a scaling problem because they just don't want to bend. And what I also learned on the internet is like, you cannot just say, well, I built this, this is how it is, and they should buy it, right? Like, I hear that so much. And I usually say to people, well, they're not buying it. What are we going to do about it? Shall we change the, the way we presented it? Shall we change the language? Just pure example, how to become a master of selling, how to become a master seller, right? Well, maybe nobody's going to buy that. Why we don't just say that this program is about learning how to build six-figure business without working 60 hours a week, right? But the solution is the same in the end. So this is just an idea. I hope so. It put things in perspective. But that's what people... When they want to go into advertising, they need to understand that you can use advertising two ways. One, you have a business model that already converts cold traffic, right? It's very important, cold traffic into buyers, and you just want to amplify that. And the other way to use it is the way I always use it for myself, and I suggest everybody to start when they have a small budget, is to use it as a research tool because nothing is going to give you the traffic you need to in order to understand, like I paid this guy $5,000 to build me a website, right? And now that person says, well, I'll build you the website. Thank you for the money. It looks amazing. It looks great. If you need anything else, give me a call. It's going to be another $2,000 charge, right? And then when I come and I bring 10,000 people on that page and nobody buys, that website doesn't work, right? When the website guy will be saying, well, we should target better. I'm like, "Uh, no, (laughs) It's like, we need to work on the website. 
There's a lot of work there. Like, we're not saying the right things. We're not positioned the right way. Our offer just doesn't convert. What are we going to do about it? And most of the times they're like, can you just run the ads? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> if that makes sense. There's this kind of new wave of setting things up that are made easier, simpler, more automated. The tools are becoming easier to set up these websites. The tools are becoming easier to have landing pages, to capture leads and to do all that stuff. And even if we start adding a layer of AI, even the copy can all be pre-populated very, very simply. And it's almost like we've said, all right, let's just get this done. And now that we have something, let's just throw a bunch of ads at it until it works. Where do you think the art was really lost in the process of us just trying to get things all automated and done efficiently? What's the missing art that's still causing the core problem here? The main problem here, the way you put it is, people don't have a system of how to actually do that. So it's never been easier to optimize a page. It's never been easier to fix all these problems than ever before. And why? Because just pure example, if you use ClickFunnels, you can basically create 10 versions of the landing page and you can split the traffic 10% each. And you can have a different headline on every page, massive headline, which is, let's say, that's the element you want to test. And then you can run ads. And then ClickFunnels tells you, this is the headline that's working, right? Stop the other ones now. You can create another 10 variation and now create 10 variation with ChatGPT of the same headline. Now we're going to make it even better, right? So then you can go paragraph by paragraph by paragraph, video. You can make 10 videos if you want on your VSL page. But where people miss it is that they just create it and they leave it. But they need to have a system. They need to know what are they testing, how they're testing. Like copy, as you mentioned, never been easier to write, right? So you need to have my Excel sheets where I'm like testing this kind of a concept, right? I'm going to create this landing page with these 10 variations and I'm going to run ads that speaks to an audience. Once they see the ad, they're going to land to a page that's actually telling them the same thing that the ad. So it's just kind of delivering the promise we sold them with the ad. And I always run like concept by concept. And if that concept doesn't work, I will change the copy on the page, make 10 variations, create new ads, start again. And what people are missing here is a system and the time to dedicate to do that. And they prefer to, I don't know, make reels, right? Then they spend four hours rather than have a systemized you need to have this system. You need to have a system in place. I have my own system that I follow for years. You can create your own, right? But you need to have a You need to know what you're doing. You need to be focused. Like, okay, the way you mentioned is like, that's why it's getting easier, like to build landing pages and stuff, because now we are entering in the world where creative testing is what's going to win. Who is capable to test more? Most of people don't want to do that. They're like, do you know how much money I pay for the website? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work. Ask for your money back. What do we do? I saw a statistic. I forget if it was from you or from someone else within my circles that talked about the highest performance or highest, most effective advertisers on Facebook had 11 times more testing of creatives than the rest. And so 
when it comes to putting in that system to do the testing, a lot of times it's like it's one of the most neglected arts because it feels like hard work. It doesn't seem, if you're not someone that's very data focused and systems and process, if you're quite the creative, this might not be the one that feels the most aligned. But what kind of difference happens when you start doing this? Because I think this is like a big portion of what work you put in. Oh, of course, it's all the difference comes by doing creative testing. And I religiously follow the, um, the advertising movement of creative concept testing. So just to put in perspective, if I have a concept that I want to test and concept is learn how to sell with love, that's the concept, very broad, right? I would go and I would make like five image ads that says exactly the same thing with a different image or something, or I will write five image ads with a text that will say how to sell with love, learn how to sell with love. Why selling with love is important, right? It's still the same concept, right? Then I will make five to 10 videos with the same. Then I will write five to 10 primary texts. Then I will write five to 10 headlines. And they all kind of use the same keywords and they talk about the same stuff, right? I can test them with $50, but I don't test them in purchase. We test them in brand ad recall ads, which basically are kind of ads where you ask Facebook to tell you what kind of positive experience people have with your ad. And I will see very quickly what stands out. And if something stands out, I will get that winning video and an image and that headline. And then I'm going to put them in a lead campaign and then I will see if they perform as lead. But in the meanwhile, I'm only already running another hundred creatives in the back end. Right, and trying to see if there's anything that people we're gonna have a lot of positive experience with for very, very cheap. And if they do, then I'm gonna test to see in my second test to see if it can actually deliver my my outcome. We can test 20, 30, 40 creatives for $50, right? And I do it every day. But people need to learn that more you test, it's like uh, making organic social media posts. If you make one post a week, very like unlikely to go viral than making 100 a week, right? And that's just on the front end. But then you have to test your pages as well. You need to have similar system of testing your pages. And once you start testing your pages, what I usually do, I stop testing new ads because I want to make sure that it's the same traffic I'm testing against. So I can have a clear understanding of what's happening rather than running five concepts and then, you know, does that make sense? But creative testing is everything and it never been easier to generate creatives. You have mid journey, you have AI, like you have Canva, you can sit in Canva and make like 30 ads in what, half an hour? So it's become easier than ever, but I'm seeing that the art is being lost itself. But there's also, you know, a lot of things I've seen you advise me against because you're talking about testing creatives and i know i think one of the first things when we got into a conversation i was telling like oh should i be testing different audiences and you kind of scolded me on that because i used to be very active in running ads maybe in 2015 but the way that we use advertising platforms has kind of evolved and i'd want you to elaborate on that when you seem to be quite against the very segmented tested approach yeah, so since 2017, the platform changed, evolved. So if you ever had the chance to go to the Facebook business pages and start reading about 
the updates they do, you will realize that the algorithm now is so freaking smart that Facebook on their website with huge capital letters says, we do all the heavy lifting for you. We already know who to show your ads to. Facebook is analyzing 50,000 data points a day per person. Like they can predict where you're going to buy to eat tomorrow. And I usually say to people, take your phone and say 10 times Captain Morgan. I give you three hours to start getting the ads. Just phone is turned off. Just say Captain Morgan 10 times or say Mercedes and you'll see what's happened, right? They're listening to everyone's phone. They know everything you do. Once you publish an ad, Facebook already knows who is most likely to have a positive experience. Remember, social media platforms care about positive experience. They don't care about how much money you want to make, right? So they know who is most likely to have positive experience and they're showing the ads to them. We don't need to do audience testing anymore, which is amazing, but we still do it. And the way we do it is by concept creative testing. And let me just elaborate on that very quickly. What does that mean? When I have two concepts, one concept will be learn how to sell with love. It's important. The other concept is if you want to stop annoying people on sales calls and close more deals, you need to learn how to sell with love. These are two different concepts and two different kinds of personalities will fall for the, for the each concept. So if you want to reach a different kind of audience, you need to sort out your messaging on the front end and on the landing pages. So this is how we do audience testing now. I can go and say, learn how to become a master at selling by learning how to sell with love. Or I can go and say, if you want to make six figures a month, you need to learn how to sell. This is two different people, very two different people. And I have millions of dollars data to prove that. And this is how we test audiences now in the concept of our creative testing. So when I create a concept to test, I'm actually testing an audience. I want to find people who fall for this message. Then when I create another concept, I'm looking for people who think differently because in the end you want to populate your ecosystem with very different kind of people. Because if one kind of messaging is drained and you have no more income from it, you have another 10. So you kind of diversify your audience into your ecosystem, if that makes sense. So what you want to do is you always chase, what you will find if you give this a chance and you run it for a year or two, what are you going to find? You're gonna find that, let's, let's say concept one brings me cheaper leads, but they buy less. But concept two brings me $100 lead, which I don't wanna spend, but every freaking one of them buying, right? So then you will see that everything these numbers, drawers and stuff, they just collapse and they don't matter anymore. But you need to have a system to do this with confidence rather than just, you know, oh, it's Friday, let's see uh, see the numbers and see. Like, if you ask me about any client I manage the accounts, I can tell you right away which concept does what and what kind of people is bringing in the back end. And how do they behave six months, nine months, 12 months, which is far more important for scaling your business than click-through rates, like nobody, that doesn't matter. So this is how we do audience testing. And it's hard. It's much harder than going into the ads manager and say, I want to basically force some people 
that have interest in something to see my ad that I don't even know they want to see it, right? I use a very terrible world, which I'm not going to use it now. You're just bullying people with your terrible ad. Why not first find an ad that's an amazing and people leave 300 comments on the ad? I have ads that have five, six, seven hundred comments on them, positive comments. And then you can play a game like that when you have hundreds of million audiences and you have specific offers and you try to, you know, collect a bit more money in December and stuff. But in general, if you want to test audiences, you test them with your message. Create concepts and understand, hey, I'm trying to find people that are going to fall for this. I want to try people that are going to fall for this. I want to try to find people. And then there are iterations of concepts. But that's a system. And most of people don't do it because it's a work. And they go into the ads manager. And if you've been recently in the ads manager, Jason, you know that Facebook every single day gives you black important notes there they're removing detail targeting groups they're removing interest groups they're removing and a lot of people ads just die because facebook is trying to make it easier for everybody to advertise on the platform and all you need to do is just do the hard work and have a concept of understand how can i how this advertising and all this testing and all these concepts can amplify the business rather than try to hack it. And in the past, most of the agencies, even now, they just want to get paid for another month. And the way to get paid for another month is to show you good analytics. And people are happy with it. I know some of the conversations we've had were around the word that you used earlier in the call. And if anybody felt confused with the word ROAS, wondering what that is, it's actually a term called return on ad spend, very common term in the industry. And I remember having conversations with you and saying that ROAS is not necessarily a metric that we should be very focused on. You talk more about how to have a positive experience with the ad. Can you talk about the decisions we make based on the ROAS metric and how it actually negatively impacts you when it comes to wanting to scale your business? Of course. So ROAS is the worst metric. And if you ever measure it, you always make the wrong decisions. First, if you're running a lead generation campaign, you have no ROAS, right? Just running people to something that's free. How do you measure ROAS? And most of the people who argue that, are, well, what they buy after, exactly when they buy after. So if you sell something for $7 and you measure ROAS and like, oh, I'm not profitable. Why are you not measuring when they buy after, right? So ROAS or return on ad spend is a measurement that was invented. So advertisers can justify how they spend your money, but it's just not a metric you should follow to scale your business because you cannot control it. And what do I mean by you cannot control it? Like you cannot control how much average Nancy or Joe gonna come to your website and spend today. That's not achieved by the ad. That's achieved by how much money Nancy has to spend today? What is her behavior habits? How well is everything constructed on the website? But there are so many factors that affect how much people will spend. For example, the stock market or the housing market, which is crushed now. So if you have a house that's a half a million dollars and you woke up today 
and they say on the news, well, the housing market is uh, 20% down, you're just 100K down on your house. You don't just kind of feelings like spending $3,000 today, right? So this is a very simple example. Another simple example is when Russia invaded Ukraine, all the accounts I managed collapse for two weeks. People didn't want to spend money because the narrative in the media was third world war, right? And people were like, squeeze their money. So you cannot control ROAS or how much money people can spend on your business. The one only metric that anyone should measure is how much does it cost you to acquire a customer? Advertising is not about profits. Everybody knows that who plays the game. Advertising is about acquiring customers that my business can generate repeated business from as longer as possible to generate as bigger LTV as possible out of them. And if you want to make decisions about should I stop a certain ad or not, you should basically understand what is your blended cost per acquisition for business. Just to put perspective between ROAS and blended cost per acquisition is the following. If your business at the moment before advertising spends $200 to acquire a customer through the, all the channels together, blended. And now you start running ads. They're not profitable in the ads manager with the ROAS. They're operating in minus on ROAS, right? So you're minus, you're 0 0.5. You're not even breaking even in the ads. But your total cost per acquisition dropped from 200 to 150 right? You're just acquiring, what is that? 25% more customers now than before that you can generate second purchase, third purchase, retreat in Costa Rica, retreat in Bali, right? And that's all it is. Your job is to acquire more customers for as cheap as possible. So you can generate repeated revenue from them. ROAS can be 5x and the business can tank because they're not buying afterwards. They're buying you $12, $20, $50, whatever you're selling, but that's it. And you always make big decisions about how much it costs you to acquire a customer and not return on ad spend. You should measure ROI, business ROI, of course, return on investment, but measuring how, how much money you're making directly from the ad on that same day it's not scalable. You will never scale your ad budget like that. Unless you strike luck, and then when you increase your budget, those numbers drop, and then you're like, I need a new hack, and it doesn't work, and you go to another agency, another agency, and another agency, promising you the same ROAS, ROAS, but they have no control over it. Because if your ROAS is 5x, how much do you increase your ad budget? Maybe the business is losing money in the back end. Right? So what if the ads are giving you good ROAS? And I've been in a one business where we had 3x and they went boom in six months. Because once we started running the ads, they went in a position where like, this is just, I believe, oh, this is working. You know, we don't have to do anything. And boom. So what if there was ROAS? I hope so that makes sense. I think it actually 
makes you realize that you have to take a step back and look at everything from client acquisition as a whole. One thing I would be curious to elaborate more on is you talk about this blended cost per acquisition. And I'm confused on how is it that you would be spending more money than your existing mix of customer acquisition costs. Now you're going and spending in ads, which is in a negative ROAS, but your blended cost of acquisition goes down. What's happening there? It doesn't seem to make sense in my head. So I'll try to put this very simple, right? So blended cost per acquisition means the following. If you get all the expenses your business have, office, employees, organic social media, other marketing channels, Googles, websites, electricity bills, every expense your business has, right? All the channels when you're spending money and you divide it by number of new customers you acquired at the same period of time. Let's say the last three months, how much money the business is spending and how many clients are we acquiring? And if you divide that, you can get how much it costs the business to get paying the employees is costing the business to acquire a customer, right? Now, when you start running ads, you're definitely going to get huge traffic like never before. And if these ads are bringing people and the ads are operating in minus, but now these people enter, let's say the entry level is $7. Let's put it $100, right? To enter into the business, to buy something. In the next three months, do you have a system that can generate 3,000 out of them? Or you don't? What have you done in the last six months to make sure that everybody that buys from you first time in the next 90 days buys a second time? Because that's a pure profit without spending money. How much of these people are buying around Christmas from you? How much of these people are completing a full LTV journey, long-term value. How many of them? How can we push more of them to generate more value? Because the front sale doesn't matter. And if you watch ClickFunnels, Russell Branson, all the big guys, they will tell you the same. Like, we don't focus on the front sale. We don't care. We focus, how can we make these people buy more? Just for perspective, if your, let's say you have a program that's $7. That's very popular now right? Info product. You have the book. Your book is $20, something like that. And you spend $50 or you spend $100 to sell a book. And you're like, man, I'm losing $80 per book. Yeah. But what if every 10th of those people pays you $5,000 to become their mentor? So now you're like in huge profits. Does that make sense? Why Ross doesn't matter? Because what is going to happen, you're just going to stop a winning funnel, bringing you a lot of money in the back end. The front offer, we, we have this saying in our network is, every front end offer is only a lead generation tool. It's your decision to decide how high you're going to raise the bar. I always run to free groups. I love free because I can sell. I'm good at it, right? I will never ask anyone to pay me. I run them to a free, I build a relationship, boom, I close them, I get my money. If you put the bar $7, that's just a lead. If you put it $50, that's just a lead. You just ask people to pay $50 to become your lead so you can work on it to make more. 
If you raise the bar $500, people will pay $500 and they're becoming a lead. What you're doing by that, you're increasing the quality of the lead. But not necessarily means they're going to spend more money because I have weird analytics to show you that once people buy something in the beginning, they most um, they don't like to buy after. But when they get something for very cheap or they don't buy anything, they're more likely to convert into a high ticket afterwards. Because when they buy something for $300, $500, they're feeling more like, well, I already spent quite significant amount, so let me sink it in, right? And it very does, goes away. But when they buy something for seven or it's free and you talk to them and they're like, oh, okay, I can, that works for me. I'm like, to, I like to buy something that's $3,000. And we have the saying, never show a high ticket client a low ticket offer. So that's what actually matters. This is where people get it wrong. And whoever understands this, long term, they win the game. They scale because they're focusing like, well, I'm going to have a success manager in my business. So instead of increasing your ad spend from, I don't know, $5,000 a month to $20,000 a month, you don't need to do that. Maybe you need to get a success manager that's going to call all your clients that bought $7, make them happy, send them handwritten cards through the post, right? And then when Jason called them, they're more likely to convert into $5,000. And nobody's talking about this on the internet. And I'm like, mind blown, why, why they don't do it? That's what matters. And this is how I bust the myth of Ross. Like, I don't care if afterwards, like I cannot generate more revenue. I hope that makes sense. It definitely brings the point home as to why I always have a conversation with you to have these sobering conversation. And I'll reinterpret kind of the original question because now I got to understand it with your explanation, which is my blended cost per acquisition would go down because now whatever fixed cost my business has to acquire customers actually will be distributed amongst many more customers that I get through perhaps an expensive ad campaign. But now I get to actually have these fixed costs spread out, bringing the average down. And now I have a very good justification as to why I'm turning on these ads, why I'm spending. And the biggest reinforcement that I have from this conversation we just had together today is just understanding that the ads is not going to be the magic bullet that solves the business, but it will be the painful reminder that the business needs to be fixed. If you decide to go and put some ads to happen and you haven't done what are the core activities that need to be done so that you have success on that front as well. Ivan, I'm hoping that for people who are thinking of running ads, have listened to this conversation. And I'll encourage everybody to go and follow Ivan on Instagram. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. And I know he has a coaching group where he can have more conversations with you and help you solve some of those problems if you are thinking of going in this direction. He's an amazing mentor to me, has always generously given his time to help troubleshoot some of the issues that I have with clients, which is why is one of the reasons he's on this podcast as well, because he's given so much to me. This is a way that I know that he's going to give to anybody who goes in his direction and help them solve their problems of building a long-term scalable business with success by having the right information in place. There is one question, Ivan, I ask all the guests who come on the show, which is, what does selling with love mean to Ivan? Oh, I was waiting for that. I'm prepared, believe me. So selling with love to Ivan means the following. Tell your prospect from the beginning 
the magnitude of work that needs to be completed to get him where he wants to get. If you want to have a long-lasting, loving relationship with your clients, don't chase the money, chase client satisfaction, trust, because all you need is one client to reach to the top. That's it, always. Don't tell people, don't sell rainbow and unicorns. And I always, like I send 90% of people back. I could lie and make a lot of money, but I'm like, I want to sleep at night. So I want them to understand. And when they're ready to understand, because it's hard to educate the business owner. We we're both in the business, you know, like they succeed to a certain point, right? There is a bit of ego coming with it. It's really hard to make listen. But when they're ready, then you should step in and actually help them rather than see when they're rushed and they like they need that help and they don't know how to turn and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to take your money. Like that never worked for me. So that's how I define selling with love. Tell people how difficult actually it is. It's not a great sales point, but <laughs> it worked for me always. Ivan, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and for everybody tuning in once again. Take this lesson in advertising to help you have stronger conversations with whoever you're considering working with when it comes to ads. And of course, give Ivan a consideration because he's going to tell you how it is and you'll get to see that perhaps there's some other elements of your business you need to work on. And if you've done the work, as he's mentioned, then there are some beautiful paths of scaling and prosperity that comes when you put the whole system together to bring you the results that you're looking for. And of course, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.